Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. I have here with me today, Dr. Gianni Wu. And, you know, funny enough, I actually met um, Dr. Gianni because she just said on LinkedIn, she said, hey, I'd um, love to connect with you and stay inspired. And I was like, sure. And then she asked me a question. She said, uh, what are you focusing on in terms of learning design these days? And I just replied, oh, it just happened to be universal design for learning. And then we just started sparking a conversation over LinkedIn Messenger and and Dr. Gianni said like, well, I am actually interested in micro personalized learning. And I thought, what a great podcast episode is to bring Dr. Gianni um, here and to share with us about um, kind of her research and findings about what is micro personalized learning. So Dr. Gianni, would you please do a more formal, full introduction of yourself? Sure. Um, thank you, Dr. Robin. Um, and uh, I'm so glad to get on your podcast this time. Um, yeah, so a little introduction about myself. Um, um, I am currently working as a instructional designer at Rhode Island College. Uh, my major responsibility is to help faculties uh, transit their courses online during this special time. Um, and then tracing back, I was born in China and I spent my first 20 some years back in China. And my dad worked in the media production industry. And since I was little, I was following him around, carrying the camera and recording and producing shows and chatting with people. So I think that's kind of embedded in my genes. And, and then um, I did my uh, master's and my doctor doctorate degrees in uh, Boston University. And during this process, my love um, in media and learning and just further deepened through the process. So um, that then uh, when I came out of school, I worked as instructional designer. So I think my whole life and career trajectory is kind of very like curiosity based. <laughs> And I'm, I feel very lucky to, to be where I am at this point. <laughs> so. I know what you're saying, Dr. Janet. It's like, it, it, it does feel lucky, doesn't it? It's like, how did we just like be in a place where we can be creative and, and also use kind of like those analytical parts of our brain and then we're in learning. And I know exactly how you feel. Like you feel lucky to be an idol, really. Yeah. Yeah. So I usually ask, so how did you become an idol? You kind of mentioned it already, but can we get a little bit in the detail? So when did you get your first instructional design job? Was it during your master's before that? Mm. Yeah, so my first instructional design job is actually um, in my doctorate uh, course uh, programs in Boston University. Um, at that time, we were taking a course about multimedia learning design, and we need to complete this like final project. And I'm like, okay, I'm tired of just talking and thinking and just writing 
articles or essays and I need to get my hands dirty and start doing something. So again, I went on LinkedIn and I searched around and I found that there is a startup. Um, they are called FP Girls. They produce, uh, they do customized clothing for um, young girls age nine to 10. And um, they were launching an online um, design school it's kind of like the uh, early stage of like customer education part of businesses that they do. So I, I, me and my classmates, three of my classmates, we teamed up and we took on this project and we just designed our first learning programs for real clients. So that's kind of the first taste of instructional design. Um, I think that that was back in 20, uh, 2013, 2013. Yeah. And then later on, I, um, I started working with Boston university. They have a metropolitan school. Um, they've been doing online. They've been doing online learning for, for quite a few years, maybe like 10 years by that time. So I, I joined their team and I started working with them and helping faculty design their online courses for about like two to three years and on the side I'm still doing my doctorate classes and stuff but at that time I had more freedom to, to kind of do the work and also um, finish my requirements for the program um, yeah and then later on I graduated back in um, 2018 then I started working for Child Boston Children's Hospital um, to help create their virtual training programs for um, doctors because doctor needs to renew their licenses every year. So they need continued education. So we, we helped them build that online learning program. Um, and also at that time, we initiated a, a program called the Just-in-Time Learning because as doctors, they um, even though they've learned a lot, but sometimes in an urgent situation, they need to quickly pull together a procedural tool for a particular treatment. And what we did is we created this just-in-time learning to just refresh their memories. And we put like a QR code next to like a particular treating treatment machine or like an uh, emergency room. So whenever they need that quick memory refresh, they just scan the QR code and, and learn, um, learn a quick procedural or a, um, a quick like treatment pathway. Um, so that's, that was interesting. Um, and then after that, I started working as instructional designer at uh, Rhode Island College. So <laughs> coming up. So you circle. switched from the medical um, kind of corporate space to back to higher ed. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, what made you make the switch? I'm just curious. Because um, I think at that time I was... Um, thinking about the concept of universal design at that time. And I was chatting with my manager and he said that, oh, we don't have time for that type of stuff. No. So I'm like, okay, it's understandable. Uh, because all you do is you use articulate and you create courses and you know they've already mapped the course and you create the course. So I feel like I'm more of a, I'm more in the production part rather than like design and explore and research. And um, yeah, and um, at that time I was really curious about universal design because I feel like that's kind of the future of education. Um, so yeah, so, so I'm like, okay. 
oh, maybe I need to go to a place where I get to, you know, to, to do work based on curiosity, based on research, have a little bit more freedom to poke things around and, and see what's out there and do experiments. So I think, yeah, I think at that moment, I kind of realized that, oh, maybe it's time for me to go back and, and explore further. <laughs> but I'm not sure if I'm going to continue staying in the higher ed. Um, I think there's no way to predict that, but um, I do, I, I decide based on, um, based on the moment. <laughs> I like it. I like that you just decide where your interests are. I mean, there are so many people that are probably listening right now that are thinking like, wait, she had an e-learning developer job and then she went to higher ed. But I think really the point is, is that, you know, you got interested in a certain specific part of instructional design and you weren't able to do that there and so you just went where you could yeah yeah Yeah. maybe my curiosity will lead me somewhere else who knows you never know of course it will (laughs) i'll just say that it will there's no doubt about it (laughs) (laughs) i won't even go into how many jobs i've changed um so (laughs) so we're actually here to talk about micro personalization which is kind of the thing that you're tinkering around with right now um, in your current role. And so could you just, um, you know, most of our audience are idle nation, if you will. Um, Many of them are new to instructional design. And so would you just um, give kind of a definition or explanation about what is micro personalization in learning? Um, I'm not sure if I can give like very sure and sweet definition to that i may get i may make it very messy um i think micro micro personalized learning is um i don't know if you have learned um if anybody have learned language through any language apps um so in this language apps what you do is um they give you different levels of mastery and then you just pick, you just go through the first level to the second level to the third level. And when you start your first level, you have a daily chunk of lessons. For example, today we're going to learn about grandma. Next time we're going to learn about vocabulary. Um, and sometimes those pieces are small and interesting enough that even if you're in a in the bathtub, you, even if you're in a bathtub or in the in a in the bathroom, you can just sit there and then just go through one lesson, and uh, boom, you just have like oh checked next one. So these kind of micro learning thing is something that you can fit in into your busy schedule, and you have a learner agency, like you have your choice, you choose which one to learn, and you choose how long you learn them. So an ideal micro learning process will look like a language app. So it'll have, have different levels of mastery. And for each levels, you have different mini micro learning objectives. And surrounding that learning objective, you have those mini micro content, whether it's a two minute video or two minute um, article to read um, or a two minute paper to write. Um, all these comes into a kind of a basic unit of your learning, uh, of your micro learning path. And then, then because all that learning path is basically checking and um, testing your um, understanding. So you probably know Bloom's taxonomy. So that's basically focused on the uh, first three tier of Bloom's. 
So in order to tap into like the creativity, the, the critical thinking, evaluation, that kind of skills, then you can embed a real project. And in those real projects, you can do, maybe it's not still a full bloom project. Um, it's kind of part of a final project. So for this project, you get to uh, practice what you just learned. Maybe we've just learned how to use Storyline to build different layers um, and build different conditions. Then you use just the layers and the condition knowledge and skills to build a one or two pages of a Storyline for, for this project. Then you go to another micro-learning um, pod or a unit and then you do your um, mini learning or mini watching video, mini reading the article. Then you go through maybe two or three of them. Then you come into another kind of milestone project. And then you do that using maybe one or two newly learned skills. Then after this have repeated several times at the end, you combine all the skills and all the milestone skills into a final skills and you create something really big, like a big project. Maybe that project is kind of client-based or like a multiple page articulate um, production. <laughs> so yeah, so that's kind of my explanation of micro-learning. I love it. I lo And so, you know, like you've already said, I mean, you could use this uh, in storyline training. Mm -hmm. This is something that you could use, um, they already use in, um, in language apps. And there's so many different applications. And I really like what you said about how it gives people agency. And when people feel like they have some kind of choice or they're part of their decision-making in their own learning, then they value it more, right? Definitely. Yeah, because most of times when we find ourselves overwhelmed about something, it's usually we are presented with a lot of potential choices and we're kind of like frozen because we don't know which one to choose. Should I choose this one first? Should I choose this one first? And will all these lead to my final destination? Am I wasting my time? Do I have enough time to do all that? Do I have to learn all that? Or can I just pick one critical one? So all that kind of uh, taking the space in our brain and, and keep put, put us in a very um, overwhelmed state rather than, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is the results I'm looking for. Let me just do that. So I think that that approach will potentially um, alleviate that kind of overwhelming pressure. Have you had the opportunity to put any micro personalization into your current projects? Uh, yes, actually, we are piloting with a um, a professor in School of Education. Uh, we are kind of chunking the materials down into micro learning pieces, and we're using the badge system in Blackboard to kind of um, create this sense of achievement, kind of like a little game mechanisms in there as well. Um, so yeah, we're we're currently piloting and, and designing the project. So we'll, we'll let you know how that how that goes. <laughs> so do they get a badge for complete? Like, what are they getting badges for? Like, is it for completing a certain number of chunks that leads to a milestone? for the final project or yeah those those badges badges are um so whenever you complete a micro learning unit maybe then you get like a, a few points then you get you get through five of them then you get a badge so it's kind of like uh yeah there's no ideal um numbers of like how many of 
the micro learning unit you need to get until you get like a badge. It's totally um, depending on your own preference and, and, and things. Yeah, it's depending on, on points and you get points from completing your lessons, right? Mm, yes. Wonderful. That's really neat. So what about, now you come from kind of, you know, the healthcare corporate space. And if you were to um, go back and, and add micro personalization there, it seems like you kind of did a little bit of that with the QR codes and the, I mean, not full micro personalization. I mean, that's more like just in time, like you said, but would, is, how would you apply that in kind of a corporate education space? What I think we're going to start with the um, learning objective maps. So we're going to, because a lot of times, even in corporate, we have this overarching learning objectives. And even if it's action-based, um, in order to complete that particular skill or action, you need to learn different other skills before that. Uh, and that's where higher ed is kind of uh, doing a better work in terms of defining learning objectives and chunk them down and layer them up and uh, sequentialize them because they, they're doing like the scaffolding thing. So if I were in the corporate space, well, the first thing I'm going to do is just to chunk down and layer and scaffold those learning objectives. And once that learning objective and learning objective map is done, then the rest is easy just create materials surrounding that uh, micro learning objective. And once the whole map is done, the personalized le micro learning is done. Yeah. And that's, I see so many, um, well, I don't know how many, but I've seen quite a few corporate entities kind of move to competency based models so that they can create more of a learning culture. And I think that kind of syncs up with what you're saying, where if you have everything mapped out, even if you just have like random things coming up, then you, um, you have the ability to create a scaffold if you know what all, all those competencies are for a role and all the roles in your company. And if you keep it micro, you could probably even take pieces um, for one role and also just duplicate that micro piece for another role if it's the same type of competency. Exactly, exactly. And, and also that map is, is it's, it's a growing, it's a living map, like your, um, your um, inventory for your learning and for your academy, you're always adding more materials to it. Um, that, that kind of thing applies to that learning map as well. The learning map is always evolving, there's always going to be new micro learning um, pieces, materials or objectives being incorporated. So the map is always growing. What I like about this approach, Dr. Dijani, is that it's something that you can apply large scale, like we've, you know, just mentioned, like competency-based mapping, you know, across a company and all the different roles, or you can apply it to one single course. Exactly. So, you know, anybody who's thinking like, oh, man, I have to map out all the competencies of every role in the company, like, no, I mean, that's just another example and instead, like you could just could you could um, structure it for one one module, one course, right? Yes, yes, exactly. And it's it's not um, yes, like that type of like living map project. That it's like <laughs> it's a huge project. That to to zoom it in, yes, you can definitely apply that. Just 
that type of thinking into whatever you're doing. So for example, if you are creating some sort of like storyline stories and you're like, okay, this is three of my top learning objectives for this production for, okay, let's take the first one. Okay. Can I break the first one down to a little bit? And can I create more scenarios for this first learning objective? Maybe instead of one production, maybe I can do like a sequel, like a production one, production two, production three. So, you know, so all, all that. So, so this is kind of more of like a thinking, a way, a way of thinking kind of. Yeah. And even um, giving people choices too. I mean, that's something that you could pretty easily do in storyline and just set it up with scenes exactly yeah Yeah. and storyline has the data incorporated i was trying to play with powerpoint Um, powerpoint can somehow mimic articulate to provide some sort of learner agency or choices um but uh, they won't be able to report all the data where articulate is able to be very intelligent in that sense that they can create data and then to inform where the learner is and and be more like data driven so what are some of your i mean you got in you must have been inspired somewhere dr gianni so what are some of your favorite resources for micro personalization and and learning more yeah this is actually um inspired by my um boss She is a uh, health psychology um, professor, and I think she mentioned something about a concept of mere mere exposure um, that says that whenever you're exposed to something that you can understand quickly and easily, it's like you're getting planted a seed in, in your in your in your mind, and then the seed will grow and grow and grow. And then, so she's talking about when you have this mere exposure, it's kind of like a micro, it's a micro seed. It's a micro learning experience for you. And then, and then it comes out to be something bigger and, and maybe it takes time. Um, maybe it's quick. Maybe next day you will, you will be able to use that seed. Um, but yeah, it's totally inspired by her. <laughs> That's that I am, um, Kind of on this path, and also I'm also currently exploring the concept of adaptive learning. Um, I think adaptive learning is the next um, stage of personalized micro learning. Um, so I'm doing more research on that. I'm, ha- I'm happy to come back and share more about that. <laughs> yeah, and what's kind of I mean, since you brought up adaptive learning, um, how does it look different from micro personalization? Mm. It's quite similar. When you're talking about micro personalization, we don't talk about data a lot, learner data a lot. But when we're talking about adaptive learning, it's a lot of data from like the learner data driven. So for example, if we are creating this micro learning unit and people will finish like a quiz or a project at the end, depends on whether they finish it or not, they may need to be redirected to another micro learning um, module to train their skills if they kind of didn't pass that uh, threshold. Um, so that creates a challenge to create multiple paralleled uh, micro learning units that train similar skills from different perspectives. Um, so that just adds another layer of uh, micro learning. 
I got you. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's good. And I think it's good to um, just kind of explain how those things are similar. One, mm-hmm. um, one, you can like start working on today, which is <laughs> micro personalization. And then adaptive learning is something where you're going to need a, a lot, a lot more time to build. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. More, more layers. More layers. More layers. And more data. Because <laughs> you need to see, like, if, if the learner um, has, like, an 80% out of 100 for one of the assignment, do you, do you move them on? Or do you keep them and revisiting some of the other similar microlearning units? So there's a little a, a, uh, art of a balance there. And sometimes we put this in our courses in small ways, maybe not like the full data way, but, you know, we take, we um, have quizzes or some kind of assessment set up where based on the ones that they get incorrect, they can go and maybe relearn those and we like take them back to another mini lesson. Exactly. Yes. That'd be like the, the small, the baby version. Yes. Yes, the small and baby version. Yes, and 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 going back to your um your questions about like where can people learn about micro learning and stuff. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of trying to be the uh, the voice in that realm, and um, so I um, every day I'm writing little um, articles and little postings on my LinkedIn. So I I would share that with people. So that's kind of if if they're interested, they can come and add me and. That's where I share my learnings there. Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to drop um, Dr. Gianni Wu's uh, LinkedIn uh, link in our show notes. Um, and then you'll be able to connect with her there. And then you already have, so you've written quite a few articles already that people can go and check out and learn more. Yeah. And my article is not like large articles. These articles are like, <laughs> like one minute kind of read and, and even videos is like one or two minutes. So I'm kind of practicing and experimenting that concept into what I do. I love it. You're practicing what you preach. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this, I mean, this is such great um, insight, even for those that are just getting started in our field, if they can just think about creating a course as creating like this micro personalization um, and just chunking down each of their learning objectives, I think it would just make their course just so much better right from the jumpstart. That's just such, such a great thing to introduce um, new and experienced people to. So what is your best advice for those just starting in their instructional design career? I think stay, be inspired, like follow your curiosity, because when you're in that learning design space, you are helping people to become a better person and you're helping them to learn more. And whenever you learn it, it may not, not look like something magical, but actually when we learn something, our brain neurons changes, like the connections among neurons, new neurons come out and new connections are formed. So it's actually a very biological uh, process when, when you help people learn. So you whenever you, whatever courses that you design, you may change the neural connections for, 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 a, few, for a few people and that, that can transform their lives. They may think differently, they may act differently and that difference may trigger a new 
series of events for them. So when we design learning, it's not just uh, put letters or graphics or animations on paper or on any apps or on any platforms. It's actually making those new neurological connections inside people's brains and magic will happen. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that perspective. I'm totally going to steal that. I mean, <laughs> just, just you wait, Dr. Gianni, I'll be like in my academy talking about um, how you guys are changing people's neurons and neurological pathways. That's, that is a brilliant way to think about it because it is, we all, sometimes we get up in, I mean, I guess this is kind of puns all over the place, but we get up in our head and we think like, you know, it is just what you said. We think it's, oh, it's, you know, I got to get the graphics just right. I got to write the script just right. But when you think about what your real outcome and goal is, is that you are biologically changing people's minds that can change their entire career and path and way of being. It's pretty incredible <laughs> yeah i'm just having goosebumps just hearing you saying that again <laughs> me too oh my gosh this has been such a pleasure and when your book is done you're gonna come back and talk to us again um about design to engage i'm just I, that's your title i just went ahead and threw it out there so it's like officially copyright copyrighted by dr gianni Wu. <laughs> <laughs> thank you dr robin <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, I just really enjoyed um, talking to you and learning about micro-personalization. And thank you so much for, um, for coming on today. Thank you, Dr. Robin, for this invitation. And uh, I really enjoyed our chat. And you are a fascinating person. And I'm very happy to connect with you and um, hope our chat will um, plant a little seed for your academy students and future Explorera and learning designers. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, and we'll be, we'll be chatting on the side later too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy, where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses.